Amazon and Garmin put Alexa in the car. Microsoft unveils the Surface Book 2, and Andrew has a problem with the new Kindle. <laughs> right? Wow. Right, right off the bat. <laughs> We're going to get right to the gripes. You're listening to Geared Up from GeekWire.com in Seattle. I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. All right. We got a lot to talk about this week, including Microsoft Surface Book 2, as I mentioned, coming up. Right. Probably the, the one of the more flagship announcements this week in the tech world. But first, let's talk about this device okay. behind us. This is the new... Alexa and Garmin device. It's actually from Garmin. Uh, it's a uh, $150. It's called Speak. It's really interesting to me because my wife was just complaining the other day. We had we went on a road trip okay. and we've been using the uh, Echo uh, Show in our house, and okay, right. it's become so second nature for her to talk to Alexa to call up various things. She kept like almost saying Alexa in the car. During the ride. It was a really interesting phenomenon. And she's not the type of person who will just willy-nilly adopt things. Like with our Xbox. I completely understand. Yes. (laughs) It sounds like you're speaking from experience. (laughs) Yes. Wow, that must be an interesting (laughs) dynamic in your house. (laughs) Absolutely. your wife. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, kind of jumping off what you were saying, like my wife, you know, these voice voice devices kind of started coming out, would you say about two years ago? Sure. Where it it was, you know, still, I mean, it still is kind of weird to just speak to a not real thing, not a person, not an animal, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, my wife would never use Siri, which you hate Siri, so I, you I'm probably never fan. use Siri either. But that's on the phone. Now we have it just in our house, just, you know, it's just always there, right? So she was like, I just never want to use this stuff. And then recently, though, I don't know what happened. Something switched to where. She's just she talks to Alexa more than she talks to me, <laughs> and um, she will think of ways to use it that I don't even think. Like sometimes, like I like technology, so I just have it there, just there. But sometimes I see the Alexa, I'm like, I should think of something to say. Like I'm like trying to think of what to ask it. And we were we were upstairs last night, and uh, she was like, Oh, I forgot to turn off the TV and the lights downstairs. Alexa, turn off the TV in the living room. Turn off the lights in the kitchen. And I was like, I would I would have went downstairs to grab the remote control. To, to, to physically do it. Like, I wouldn't, she just occurred, and, and it does it. It's funny. I had a similar experience last night. My wife showed me, she found this new Alexa skill, new new to her, mm-hmm. that will find her phone in the house and call it from the wow. Echo device. And I was like, you're ki- Wow. So it's like our wives are getting more so advanced she just with asked Alexa, Alexa than us. Where's my phone? Yeah, and, and it, it started and it rang. Wow. Okay. That's pretty slick, nice I thought. Job. At any rate, back on the topic of the device that we're talking about, the $150 Garmin Speak yes. attaches to the windshield, uh, much, much like you would have uh, any other, you know, sort of dash mounted or windshield mounted device. It essentially has a very simple interface. Uh, it gives you directions, as you would expect from Garmin, right. and it sort of shows you, okay, in this this much distance, you're going to be turning right. And of course, that's augmented. Does it have a GPS built into it? It must. Well, I'm not sure if it works through your phone in terms of the GPS or mm-hmm. through the device, I, but we'll figure that out. Okay. It does use the data from your phone. Right. So it's not uh, a data, it doesn't have data built in, uh, but it's $150, and it is, think of it essentially as an Echo Dot on your windshield. So you can use it to connect to the Bluetooth to control music and, and all those things. It's basically like a streamlined Alexa device. Now I've got a 2007 car. It does have Bluetooth, but it'll be interesting for me to see how well this thing actually integrates with a vehicle that was born, you know, a decade before many of these technologies came out. Oh, a decade. That's true. So I have, a, I mean, I feel like they didn't go far enough here. Yeah. Like there could be a camera on the front 
Yep. And an SD card, you know, mini SD card slot. So then it becomes an Alexa with a dash cam built in. Like that would be the ultimate. Like give me Alexa, but also give me that dash cam functionality. Could they have done that, do you think, for $150? I don't see why not because you have other companies like uh, Aki and Anchor who do, they don't have Alexa built in, but they make dash cams that you can buy for under a hundred bucks. So, and the Alexa part can't be that expensive because it's just a microphone. Maybe they pay, I would assume they pay a licensing fee to Amazon, um, but it's just a microphone and a speaker. And if it's using the, the data from your phone anyway, that's stuff they don't have to build into it as well. Right. So I don't know. Like, I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. Having Alexa in the vehicle is cool. But at the same time, most people have a smartphone and most people have their smartphone with them when they're driving. Right. So instead of talking to Alexa, anybody who's driving with a smartphone can just say, hey, Siri, or can say, hey, Google. Right and control things already in their car. True, and obviously some of that is voice activated. I guess a lot of people are still doing the thing where you pick it up and you press the button. I recognize you can set that up automatically. My tendency is to press the button. You know, and you in Washington State at least, you can get nailed for that. They've been really right. cracking Very down on even just picking picking up. Even your if phone. you touch your phone at a stop, right? Yes, you're caught. You're done. Exactly, exactly. So this is part of a broader effort by Amazon to get Alexa inside cars. They showed an integration with Ford at the Consumer Electronics okay. Show in January. Of course, at the event we we went to, Andrew at the Amazon headquarters, they also showed the ability to roll this out, their plans to roll this out in BMW and mini vehicles right, in right. the US, which is, UK which is, I think it's cool. Like, put Alexa in vehicles, put the, like, make, give us interfaces that we're used to because, you know, typically before this all started happening, cars and car interfaces and car software was pretty terrible. Yeah, absolutely. No, dashboards and cars are definitely, they have been behind the times, but I want to talk about your setup, you have AirPlay in your car. CarPlay. CarPlay. Mm -hmm. CarPlay in your car. And you actually have a really good sense for this. Do you see one automotive platform, one technology sort of becoming dominant in much the way that iOS and Android have become dominant on phones? I personally think that CarPlay and Android Auto, you know, it's similar to the smartphone world. Like, you're used to using your phone. How many times do you pick up your phone and unlock it per day, right? Probably 100, you know, and if regardless of what platform you use, you're using your phone all the time. So when you integrate that into the car, it's an immediately familiar experience. You know what to do. You know how to use it. You don't have to, like, spend time. You don't have to bust out an owner's manual. How do I do it? You just know because you use these devices all the time. So I think... You know, it's called projection technology. So the phone is projecting onto the display in your car and replacing the car's software with that from your phone. And I think that's really the future. Um, some companies seem to be hesitant to allow this, namely Tesla. Tesla has this you know, Model 3 that they're building out and releasing to a lot of fanfare. They have 500,000 or so pre-orders for this vehicle, and they don't allow CarPlay or Android Auto. They have their own UI that they want you to use. So, you know, that's an outlier because a lot of these other companies are building it in. If you have an Android phone plug-in, Android pops up on your display. If you have an iPhone, iOS pops up on your display. And it's much nicer, and you can use the voice assistant from your phone of choosing. So, you know, I don't know how... Like, that's one of the things I'm not looking forward to. I pre-ordered one of those Tesla Model 3s, and it's something I'm, I'm not looking forward to losing... CarPlay, 
in you know and instead using you know whatever tesla decides is the best interface you know there's a difference between an interface for your car and an interface for your phone it seems like tesla would be able to update that through a software update if they got enough backlash from folks yeah like i would you. hope so i would hope so because uh you know again it's, it's much nicer to be in your car and just know i know what my phone can do and anything my phone can do my car can do is is nice absolutely all right so the device we've been talking about is the 150 dollars garmin speak it's a device that attaches to your windshield. It actually is already available on Amazon. I bought it. We'll okay. see. I'm going to get it, and we can talk about so my next experience week, with it next week. We can find out how it's been going for you That's and right. for your wife. That's right. Absolutely. You're listening to Geared Up on GeekWire, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Geared Up on GeekWire. I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. All right. So we just talked about an Amazon device that I'm pretty excited about, the, the Garmin. Right. It's a Garmin device. It's a Garmin, Garmin device, device with Alexa in. Yes. It sounds like they did more of a partnership on it as well, though. Okay. So, you know, kind of like the GE thing with Alexa right. built in. Now let's talk about an Amazon device that Andrew is not as excited about. <gasps> the new Kindle Oasis. This is Amazon's top-of-the-line e-reader. Yes. For the first time, and I can tell you a little Jeff Bezos story on okay. this one. Back in the day, Jeff Bezos used to tell stories about how he would put his Kindle into a plastic bag to make it waterproof. Why would you share that information? So he could read in the bath. So what you're basically <laughs> telling people is, hey, the product that we make doesn't allow me to do this, so I need a Ziploc bag. <laughs> this was probably, gosh, this was very shortly after the Kindle came so out. So 10 years ago. It was, it was actually maybe seven years okay. ago. Okay. Now, this new device that we're looking at, the Kindle Oasis e-reader 7 inches, is waterproof. Yeah. First it's, waterproof Kindle. That's right. So you can read anywhere. Jeff Bezos can finally read in the bath without finally. a plastic bag. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, there have been services where you can send your Kindle in and they would waterproof oh, it really? for you. Yes. So that did exist, and that's been around for at least three years so you've been able to buy a kindle send it to them they would waterproof it somehow i don't know how exactly i think it's some sort of coating i don't know send it back to you, you have a waterproof kindle which is great now the kindle oasis came out last year yep and the name just the name itself to me implied that it was going to be waterproof maybe i don't they know originally why planned i don't it. know why because uh, you think of yourself on a desert island right with, just like with the waves lapping everything up is safe and, yes so Last year it was a six inch e reader. Yep. Okay. 250 bucks still. Yep. This year they've added an extra inch. Seven inches. Seven inches. $250. Why is it so expensive? Like that's the problem. Not and not just the not just the Oasis. I want to take to task also the Kindle Voyage at two hundred dollars, which is not waterproof. The regular Kindle is eighty dollars. Well, Amazon You're would sit here and tell you well, they're not twisting your arm and making you buy the expensive ones. It's a hundred. It's it's a hundred and forty dollars more worth the price. If if you're so this this is for let's we're going to argue about this one. And by the this, way, I did order one <laughs> Kindle. <laughs> okay, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so here's where I look at this. So to me, getting a uh, front lit screen is the key and you can get that with the kindle paper that's paper right white at 120 dollars. Right. here's what i love i have i use a paper white regularly i primarily use it or i use it most on vacation mm -hmm. and the reason i use it most on vacation is it allows me to take my smartphone i'm not relying on my smartphone getting those notifications that might suck me back into work i can put it in a drawer right and i can take out my kindle and read the new york times i love to read the new york times okay. on the kindle okay with the paper white front lit you can do it at night 
with the lights off. Right. Without hurting your eyes. Which is great. I love that. So 120 bucks. Now, I agree. Now, the thing about the Oasis is they'll tell you, like, it's meant for people who are doing a lot of reading. It's The weight is really nicely distributed across the thing. It's a premium device. What would you sell? What would you want that at? I have one. I have one. I have one in my so bag. So what I'm saying is you would put that at, what, 150, <gasps> put the paper white at 120, Here's what I would do. Paper at Paper white, 120, I don't have a problem with, okay? I wish the paper white was $99. Yeah. $99 for the paper white. So you have 79 regular Kindle, 99 for the paper white. Give me 129 for the voyage because the voyage and the paper white, they're so similar. Yeah. Like what is the difference between those two? And then you have the Kindle Oasis waterproof 149. That is $100 less. That's what I'm pro- I mean, it's an ebook reader. Yeah. You cannot do anything else. Why don't you fl- why don't you flip your computer over? to the Amazon Fire devices. Okay. These are tablets that you can also read Kindle books on, but do a myriad of other things on. Yeah, a so seven-inch okay. Kindle Fire tablet. How much is that? <laughs> seven-inch Kindle Fire tablet is $50. That's $200 now, less. I, I, I got to say, I have one of these things. I have an older version that I got on the treasure truck for like <laughs> 30, 35 I like the treasure truck. Yeah, the treasure truck is fun. Um, for 35, it, it is not, uh, it is a media viewing device and not much else. And you're going to be lucky if you can get your media to be viewed. Okay. What about, what, okay, let's go to the next. What about an Amazon Fire HD 10? 150 bucks. That's $100 less. And that is a premium. That's so, what Amazon So you feel like premium. there's, so for a single use device, essentially. Yes. With still with an experimental browser, which still cracks me up. Right, terrible. Yes, and and not easy to connect to Wi-Fi if you're like in an airport. It's mm-hmm. it's always a little bit of a hassle. You can get one with LTE built in. Why is that so much more expensive than a multi-purpose device? That's, That's the question. a good point. It is it is a bit of a disconnect with it between Amazon's pricing strategy. Abusive. Abusive <laughs> is today's word. That should be maybe the word in the podcast title. It is abusive. Yes, it is. <laughs> or maybe it's not. User hostile is what I'm saying. User like hostile. There's no reason and abuse. for it to cost two hundred and fifty. Dollars. Yeah, I got Do you, you know how much when you look if you take a bunch of devices that cost two fifty, right? An Xbox One S yeah. is two hundred and fifty dollars. I can watch Netflix, I can watch four K movies, I can play all these video games. The Kindle, I can just read books. That's yeah. it. No, I hear you. Come no, on. It's a disconnect. No, and keep in mind Amazon's mantra, what Jeff Bezos says is they want to make money when you use their devices, not when you buy them. Right. So except in this case, this, this seems like a bit of a disconnect. Disconnect. All right. So that there's... said, I did buy one. <laughs> okay. So, right. But I mean, I bought one because I need to do. I'm someone who has to make videos and stuff like that, and I didn't have a contact over there. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy one so we can make some content on this thing. All right. Let's talk about the new Microsoft Surface Book Two. This was announced yeah. just this past week. It'll be released November 16th. Okay. It's been two years since the release of the original Surface. Yes, Book. it has. And it's funny. You could see the trends in terms of Microsoft's results. They saw a decline in Surface revenue in a couple quarters this year because for a while you hadn't had a new Surface Pro and you yep. hadn't had a new Surface Book. And so they this was really long awaited. Uh, it starts at $14.99. They've, the key thing here is they've added a new size, a new form factor, 15 inches. A new form factor. So what was it previously? 13? So it was 13 and a half. Uh, the, so they've got, now they've got a 13 and a half that starts at $1,500 and a 15 inch that starts at $2,500. And same thing, you can remove the tablet yep, portion. Exactly. And you can see that here on the screen behind us uh, on the video. Tablet. 
So that, yeah, that is, that is essentially, that, that is going to be a giant tablet when you do the detach. Okay. So, so the main thing or the main quote that stuck out to me was that these new surface books are two times faster, twice as powerful, twice as fast. And they claim a battery life of up to 17 hours. Now that, okay, cool. Yes. What does up to mean? Because if I get four hours, you're like, well, it's up to. I think it probably depends on usage, right? Yes. So I guess maybe so what I are you doing? want to know. See, oh, the thing with Apple, question. when Apple says you get 10 hours of battery life and you go to the website, it says 10 hours of battery life and here's all the conditions right. that we made. Like It tells you specifically. So I want to know how you get 17. And I'm not saying I don't believe them. No. I'm just curious how to. I mean, that's that's great. Um, battery these are, life, these are, yeah. These are Intel computers, right? Yeah, I believe, yes, they do have Intel Core. Okay. Intel Core because i5 and i7, I believe. What I heard them also mention was Windows 10 running on ARM. You don't have to charge those, but every couple of days. Right. So, you know, I'd love to see some of the, some ARM, like both Mac and Windows on ARM, just giving you ridiculous battery life. You just... Every, every couple of days you plug in for a little while. Okay, there is a footnote on the Surface page okay. where they talk about battery life. So let's see what that says. It's great radio here, I know. I need to know what they have to say for themselves. Yeah. Okay. Battery life, tell me. Okay. Surface Book 2, 13.5 inch, up to 17 hours of video playback. Testing conducted by Microsoft in October 2017 using pre-production Intel Core i5, 256 gigabytes, 8 gigabytes of RAM device. Testing consisted of full battery discharge during video playback. Okay. All settings were default except Wi-Fi was associated with a network and auto brightness disabled. Battery life varies significantly with settings, usage, and other factors. Now, do you regret asking? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that's that's interesting. So watching a video, to me, means that you're not doing anything resource intensive. Right. So because you're it, just watching a file. It's just playing video. You're not crunching numbers or you know, you're not exporting a video. Not for even example. really yeah, hitting the Wi Fi because it's gonna load it in. Right. And then yeah. right. So but still that that's very impressive. Um seventeen hours. Twice as powerful as a MacBook Pro. Like that's also what what's power? What does that mean? Like what how powerful in what way? Yeah, that's a good I'm assuming they're talking about the processor. There's no way the processor is twice as powerful because they use the same Intel Core processors. Like right. Intel hasn't, between the release of this 2017, we're still in 2017 model, they haven't released a, they haven't, you know, enough time hasn't passed for them to say, hey, in early 2017, we released this processor, and in November, we have a processor that's twice as powerful. Like, that's that never happens. So I'm curious what, you know, what's the measure of power. Yeah, let's we can find that out. They do not go into detail on okay. that in any footnotes that I can but find. Even even so, yeah. If they're saying it's more power, even if it wasn't twice as powerful, even if it's just more powerful, that means this is a, this is a, you know, a contender and it's very interesting that, you know, Microsoft is becoming like they are competing with their partners. Apple doesn't compete with their partners because they're the only ones who can make a Mac. Yeah. But Apple doesn't have any partners in right. the same way. Microsoft, you know, Dell is a Microsoft partner. Right. They license, but but yet Microsoft's competing directly with their partner, which is very interesting to and, me. And that's been the issue since Microsoft started to get into computer hardware. And so far, what we've seen is that folks like HP and Dell basically let Microsoft test the market. Mm -hmm. And then they see what works, 
and then they come out with something that leverages their own expertise okay. and, and their own, you know, unique stuff. Um, you know, I, the Dell XPS 13 and 15 is like a good example where, right. you know, they, some of those things, they were able to leverage some of the things that Microsoft showed. And then a bunch of them have these two-in-one convertibles. That's actually a better yes. example. The XPS is not a great example, actually. But the, the whole notion of, okay, is there a market for two-in-ones? Okay, maybe there is now that you see what the Surface Book's doing, and, and so then other companies come out with it. Right, and even on their page, they have the MacBook Pro in the background there. Like, yeah, hey, what's up? Yeah, exactly. Now that, by the way, just, just so people know, the MacBook Pro pictured there is not the latest MacBook Pro. No, it's Pro. not. It's not. It's one of the chunky older that's ones. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you may be twice as powerful as the old MacBook Pro. I wonder Pro if that's where they Because that's the one you're picturing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Funny. interesting. Interesting. Okay. All right. Okay. So that is the new Surface Book 2. As we said, it comes out uh, in, in a few weeks, essentially. Yes. So. All right. We're going to take a quick break on Geared Up. We will be right back with a discussion of Andrew's new iPhone 8. All right, welcome back to Geared Up on GeekWire. All right, Andrew, you've got here on the table in front of you something that we've talked about a lot in the past and that we actually saw a prototype of. Yes. A dummy, uh, but this is the real thing. This is the real thing. This is iPhone 8 Plus. Yeah. iPhone 8 Plus. So I've had this for just over two weeks now, um, which is when it, it came out. And this is just like a stopgap upgrade. For me, at least, because the iPhone 10, 10 is right around the corner. The 10 comes out in early December, is that right? November 3rd. November 3rd. November 3rd. Okay. So pre-orders begin on October 27th. December, okay. So 12 days away, you can pre-order, and then it gets released on November 3rd. And so that is, you know, Apple's big upgrade. But, you know, the thing with the 8 is this is, the, this is almost like the end of an era. Like, this device... Yeah. For four years, four generations, kept the same form factor, and Apple just kind of kept iterating on, you know, the inside and what what makes this device better. And so, without having to focus on changing the form factor, you know, they were really able to just focus on let's make the best device of this form factor that we can. So, is this becoming your everyday? Yes, at this point, yes. So, this replaced your iPhone Seven Plus. That's correct. How do you like it? There's some things I really like. So the the main thing that I like is the battery life, which actually surprised me because um, if you don't dig into the specs, you don't realize that the actual battery itself inside the 8 and 8 Plus is smaller than the battery in the 7 and 7 Plus. So, so it's, it's less battery capacity. Efficient. It's way more efficient, like hours more efficient. Really? It, it, it's crazy the efficiency that they've built in because I spent one day doing a camera test. So I was taking 4K video at 60 frames per second which you cannot find another phone that does that it's it's a crazy it's usually 4k 30 frames per second so it's double the data and then taking pictures as well and i'm doing this for hours and at the end of the day um, i didn't charge up at any point during the middle of the day and at the end of the day around 11 p.m i had like 23 percent battery wow. life which is unheard of for me because that even a brand new iPhone 7 out of the box, I would have had to like charge up at some point in the middle of the day. So battery life um, on these devices is, is killer. Um, 
It's, That's what I need. See, I'm yeah. at the point where I have to walk around with an external battery. Just in your pocket. Because of <laughs> I've, I've got an iPhone 6S Plus. I am going to get the, I've decided I'm going to get the 10. You're going 10. I'm going to the 10. You're going 10. So, Are you going uh, 64 gig or 256 gig? We'll see how it goes. I would love to have all that storage on mm-hmm. it. I would really love to have that storage. But for me, I, I've always got this in the back of my mind, this conspiracy theory that uh, there's some sort of trigger that Apple puts, pushes out in a software update, update to make your battery drain no. faster on your old devices i mean so i'll address that because people say this all the time so equate this to anything else in the world right you buy a tv that after you know whenever the next major tv comes out all of a sudden that tv starts malfunctioning you buy a car that after two years starts breaking down how many of you out there would say you know I bought a Toyota. Every two years, it breaks down. Time to buy another Toyota. Like you would be like, I'm not no, buying this but, ever again because this car breaks down. True. I'm going to go to something else that lasts longer, right? So, but in the Apple upgrade thing, the something else is a new Apple device. If if you're stuck in the iOS ecosystem, yes. But what I'm saying is, is a company would be unwise to make their products to have people say that their products start breaking down after a certain amount of time. Right. And to be clear, I'm not leveling any kind of accusation here. I just, it, it just, it, it always seems coincidental. That, right. Like there's a new iPhone coming out and suddenly I can't get My phone more is than so an slow. hour. Yeah, not, not that it's slow. It's that the, the battery life just, it's incredible how much it plummets. Well, I mean, it's also a, a battery you've used for, for going a year. On more than a right? year. So yeah. if, in other words, if you were to buy just the same phone again, you would see your battery life would come back up. Now, there is new software that gets released every year, right? So iOS 11. So if you upgrade an older device to the new software, you will see performance differences there because the new software generally is optimized for the latest hardware. So your older hardware, you know, isn't going to perform as well as something newer. And also when you upgrade, like especially that first couple of days, um, you have a phone that that you bought a year ago, you upgrade to the latest operating system. The first day or two, it's like re-indexing all this stuff. So you're going to see really bad battery life because it's actually performing all sorts of like under the hood things that it doesn't normally do on a daily basis. Yeah. I've seen some weird things on iOS 11 because I, I, because of the battery issue have been making a point of Mm -hmm. doing every single update as soon as it comes out. Right. Like I'll be on a call and for some reason on my iPhone 6S plus, it'll flash to like the home screen. And then back to my call. Yeah, see, iOS 11, there's Should, some weirdness yeah. in this operating system. Like, Apple, it seems clear that it was launched before it was, like, ready for prime time just because they they coincide the phone launch with the, with the OS launch. And so since they're so tied together, they have to get the OS out the day the phone is available. Yeah. And um, so iOS 11, so I do the betas, and I'm on iOS 11.1 beta 3. And as of beta three, that was like the first time where I felt like things are how they should be. Mm. So I don't know when iOS 11.1 is releasing. If I had to guess, it would probably be alongside the iPhone 10. So we're probably, you know, a couple weeks away. But once that comes out, then you'll see all that weirdness, all these, bu- there's, it's basically bug ridden. This bug ridden operating system uh, will, will function properly. Got it. So takeaways on the iPhone 8. Plus, yeah. aside from the battery, yeah, the camera is amazing. Can you do that portrait mode thing where you get the blurry aperture in the back? Oh yeah, definitely. You yeah. can do that, but I mean, the you like 
portrait mode on the eight, they have portrait lighting now, which is a new right. feature where not only can you do the typical portrait mode, but you can also yeah. change the lighting dynamically. Like you're in a studio. Yeah, which is really nice. But also just the the, the clarity of the pictures. Again, the efficiency. Um, they did a great job with this camera. And, you know, I don't know how much more you're able you're going to be able to do and not just apple but anybody with um camera technology on phones that are this thin but i think this is where google has the advantage because they're doing a lot of stuff in the cloud so you take some pictures they get uploaded to google photos and google like makes them look amazing and unlimited storage as well i think apple and others are going to need to catch up with this whole machine learning thing to to stay where Google is at as far as photos go. Like the new Pixel, the photos on there are amazing. The portrait mode stuff is amazing. And they only have one camera on there, whereas Apple requires two cameras in order to achieve the same effect. Got it. So would you recommend folks go for the 8 or the 10? I would recommend, so you, you need to figure out what your needs are. First of all, the 10 starts at $1,000. If you don't want to pay $1,000 for a smartphone, don't get the iPhone 10. That's a no-brainer. It's very expensive. Um, if you want 256 gigabytes, that goes up to 1149 for a smartphone, which, again, some people are like, why would I pay that when you can get an iPhone 8 starting at 699 So 699 for 64 gigs, 799 or 849 for 256 So it's a substantial difference. Um, and the, quite honestly, the phones are more similar than they are different on the inside. They're very similar. So, so maybe I should get the eight. If you if you want the new display, the new OLED display, um, that's one reason to get the ten. If you want Face ID and everything that comes along with it, um, a lot of people don't realize Face ID isn't just for unlocking your phone. So I have a feature on my phone right now. Here you can see um, it shows all my notifications, and it just shows the app name, and it shows notification. It doesn't actually show the notification. If I unlock, then it shows notification, right? So imagine, you know, Face ID doesn't require my thumb. So if I pick up my phone, I can see all my notifications. If you pick up my phone, it just automatically doesn't show them. Nice. So there's things that the iPhone 10 is going to be able to do and leverage due to the new technology built in that the 8 can't do. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, both phones are, you know, well, we haven't used the 10. But I was going to say both phones are great, but they're, they're for two different buyers. If you want the latest and greatest as far as technology goes, it's about the iPhone 10. If you just want, you know, a great phone, this is, like I said, the end of an era. This is the best uh, phone of this form factor that Apple could make. And this is probably the retirement of this form factor going forward. Yeah. All right. Fascinating stuff. All right. So that is Andrew Edwards. It's Todd Bishop. You're listening to Geared Up on GeekWire. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Andrew's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash everywhere. And uh, we will be back next week with a lot more. Talk to you next time, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Geared Up, the weekly tech and gadget podcast. Check out more of Andrew's reviews at youtube.com slash gear live and follow all of our coverage at geekwire.com.